So I'm a Pentecostal boy, and Pentecostals tend to just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You okay with that? I just I do that for just a moment. I see those lyrics, and I don't think they're just sitting there for no reason, but nothing else matters. I've worked hard on this sermon, but if it doesn't point you to Jesus, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> As a pastor, I try to make myself available to every situation and every problem and things going on in your life, but my efforts don't really matter if it doesn't bring you to Jesus. Pastor Bethel and Ms. Vidi and, and our team, those who have already worked hard and those who will work hard next weekend, none of that matters if we don't point Jesus as the center. Point those people to the center. Jesus. He, I don't mean to sound cliche, but there's a reason why you, we used to say it all the time, that Jesus is the reason for the season. Because it is all about him. And nothing else will matter in your life or fully matter until you get that revelation. This thing is all about Jesus. Not just at Christmas time and Easter time. 365 days of the year, this is all about Jesus. Now, I feel like I'm standing alone up here, so can I have a couple people that will at least let the, the devil know? I, I understand this thing is all about Jesus. Amen. Okay. There we go. And in order for us to, I believe, understand God's will even in this season, I, what I want to do for a few moments is I want to take you to a post-Christmas story, if I can. I, listen to me. There's five Sundays this month, so I've got plenty of time to preach about Christmas. I'll get there, okay? But let me take you to a quick post-Christmas story, if I can, from Matthew chapter 2. This is after Christ is born. This is after the Magi, the wise men, show up and, and offer their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and here's what happens in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. If you'll read with me. When the Magi had gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother, Mary, and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod, the king, is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up and he took the child, Jesus, and, and his mother by night and withdrew to Egypt. Verse 15. Where he stayed until the death of Herod. And this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophets out of Egypt I called my son when Herod saw that he had been outwitted by the Magi he was filled with rage sending orders he put to death all of the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under according to the time he had learned from the Magi and that was the story that we talked about last week from Revelation 12 verse 19 let me skip, uh, skip ahead here after Herod died an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So here comes another angel in another dream. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he learned that Archelaus, who was reigning in Judah in place of his father, or excuse me, Judea, in place of his father Herod, was afraid to go there. So having been warned in another dream, Joseph withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Verse 23, so was fulfilled 
what was spoken through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. I feel another prophetic word right now, and and I don't know who needs to hear this, this, but uh, Tiana, give give them that that graphic I got. Give them that image. This is a prophetic word for somebody right here. I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop trying to track that package. It's in God's hands now. Can I get an amen, all right? All right. It's in God's hands. You gotta just, just gotta learn to trust God. And if I, if I can for a moment, since I, I feel the need for us to be humble today, can I give you the title for my message? Would you just kindly look at somebody uh, next to you and just tell them, Blessed are the flexible. Blessed are the flexible. Can I get an amen from those who understand exactly what I'm saying? Blessed are the flexible. Amen. Come on, put your hands together if you're ready for the word today. So, what you've heard me say many times over the course of many years is that the Advent season comes from that Latin word Adventus, which just simply means the arrival or the coming, Adventus. And so Advent then is that time where we as Christians, we engage in intentional, someone say intentional, we are intentional in our appreciation, intentional in our celebration of the fact that Jesus arrived on earth. He came for us. So when we think, I can't believe it's three months from now, when Easter happens, we understand that if Easter is the season where we celebrate the truth that Jesus got up, then Christmas or Advent is the season where we celebrate the fact that Jesus came down so that we could get up. Thank you. Someone caught that. That's what this is all about. I recognize that Christ came down so that I didn't have to stay down, so that one day I could rise up. To eternal life as well. That's what Christmas is about. If you're taking notes, I want you to know this then. This whole thing called Advent, the Advent of Jesus, introduces us to the possibility of something called greater. All of 2023, I've been declaring it's your goat year. It's your goat year. Knowing that Christmas is here, the Advent of Christ introduces me to this understanding that, wait, life can be greater than what it's been. And I want to suggest to you that even according to and really in defiance of even popular religious belief, that Jesus didn't come from heaven only to save us from sin. I know that most American denominations will teach that Jesus just came to die for our sins. And I'm not saying that's incorrect. I'm saying that's incomplete. Yes, Jesus came to die for your sins, but that's not the only thing that Jesus came to earth to do. Because his arrival actually introduces us to the possibility of greater We can experience greater. And I'm suggesting that Jesus didn't come just to save you from sin. Jesus came to rescue you from a word called regular. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. When you read Jesus' mission statement, here's what he says about himself. He tells us why I came. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What about that sounds regular to you? And then he finishes in verse 21, and he began to tell them this. Today, these scriptures right here are being fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I can tell when Jesus has finally arrived in your life. I can tell when you're not just going to church, but Christ himself has now made you his habitation. Because nothing about your life stays regular when Jesus comes in. 
I think Jesus said this about himself. He said, he said let, me, let, me, let, me, let me define who I am. The thief, John 10, 10, comes to rob, to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I came, my advent was so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If that's what Jesus said about himself, then I need you to know I don't need to be looking at people who are lukewarm and who are lazy and who are apathetic and who are defeated. I need to look at some men and women. If you have Jesus, then you have the abundant life Jesus came to give you. I'm just getting a couple of head nods and a couple of little golf claps. Hello, somebody. Maybe we need a little bit more of Jesus so we can have the abundant life Jesus promised. That's what he came for. It comes so we can be religious and sit in a church service and hear a, a, a big-eared white preacher for, for 45 minutes on a Sunday. That's not what Jesus showed up for. Thank you. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. And if you're not living the abundant life, it isn't Jesus' fault. It's time for some self-examination. What about me? What's going on with me that is robbing me of the life he came to give me? Hmm. Hallelujah. Well, it's going to be me and Derek today. Hallelujah. Okay. Might as well sit him on the front row. If you look at all the words that define us, Derek, define us as Christians, Derek. Derek, I noticed that all the, all the words that define us as Christians, not one of them says I was meant to be regular. Not one of them says I was meant to be normal. Not, not one of them was meant, to, was meant for me to, to fit in. When I look at the words that define me from Scripture, I see words like salt and light and chosen and a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people, God's special possession. I see stuff like this. I'm anointed. I see stuff like this. It says, I'm the head and not the tail. So stop sitting on your tail today and acting like you are not the head. Stop acting like you're beneath when the Bible says you are above only. That's how the scriptures define me. And when I look at those words that the Bible says about me, none of them make it seem like I am regular. And am I talking to any honest people in this room here today that can simply say, Pastor, there is nothing about my life that has been regular. There is nothing about me that is regular. If you only knew what God brought me through, you would say, I don't serve a regular God. If you only knew how he's healed my mind, what he's pulled me out of, what he has in store for me, you would not call me regular because I don't serve a regular God. And can I find some irregular people that know they serve an irregular God to throw up an irregular praise today? Not something that is normal and casual and routine, but to say, God, I'm going to give you an irregular praise because nothing about me is meant to be regular, meant to be nominal, meant to be boring. You think I'm eccentric just because I want to be? Pastor Bethel, I'm an introvert. Okay, I'd much rather not have to be around people, but the Spirit of God inside of me lets me know there's things greater than me, bigger than me, that I'm called to do. I can't be quiet. Ooh, okay, okay. Derek, we're starting to get some help. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Let me say it like this. Nobody celebrates regular. Come on. You don't celebrate the Christmas present under the tree that socks. Also, you know, cleaning supplies. Mm. We don't celebrate regular. Yeah. 
Nobody celebrates your regular career. Thanks for making it today. We said you're awesome. Nobody celebrates a regular dream, a regular goal. Nobody celebrates a regular marriage. Woo. That's why you're always dreaming of something better. Am I doing okay? I'm getting in trouble here, Michael. Nobody celebrates a regular ministry. That's why so many denominations are slowly fading. Because they've settled for regular. So when Jesus starts his ministry, he says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because I'm not regular. I'm anointed. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't need the anointing for regular. You can do regular all by yourself. You need the anointing to empower you to do the things that you could not do by yourself. Does anybody still believe in these last days? We're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Does anybody believe we're still going to, in the name of Jesus, speak to demons and they come out? That's not regular. And I need the anointing for the things I cannot do myself. And I believe, and I, can I just prophesy over your life for just a moment? I just want to declare right now that someone in this room is getting ready to get delivered from regular and get released into something called greater. I, I, I speak over your 2023, what's left of it in 2024. God is going to pull you out of regular and release you into something greater. If you believe that today, come on and say amen. Lord, deliver me from regular mindsets. God, deliver me from regular people. God, deliver me from a, from a regular passion. God, deliver me from regular church services. God, deliver me into something greater. Because Jesus did not die a horrible death of crucifixion so I can sit here and just act regular. Come on, let me hear from some people that know God has called you into greater. The greater purpose. Amen. Let me go deeper. Let me go deeper. Yeah, slow down. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right, Derek. We've got a little tacting going on. You and Brad over here. The advent of Jesus is not just a time of appreciation. I believe Christmas is meant to be a time of education. There are some things I want, I want to show you from the birth of Jesus that we can learn today and apply to our own lives. Second thing I want to tell you is this. The advent of Jesus is an indication of God's tendency to act unexpectedly. <laughs> oh, Lord. Any, any honest people in the room here today? What I mean by this is that when you look back over your life, you can admit God has done some stuff that I did not expect. Whew. I feel a praise break getting ready to happen. Right now. God has done some things in my life I was not expecting him to do. Let me take it from a negative standpoint at first. There were some things that happened in my life that God allowed that I didn't expect God would allow. I didn't say God caused. God didn't cause the abuse. God, God didn't cause the rape. God, God didn't cause the, the people to leave you and, and harm you. God, God didn't cause you to lose your job. But God allowed it. And I did not expect God to allow certain things. I did not expect God to let me go through certain situations. I, I did not expect that God would call me to what he's called me to do. Pastor Bethel, when, when, you, when you opened up your basement 15 years ago to just help a handful of families, you had no idea it was going to turn into 500 families next Sunday that we're going to give gifts to. 
I didn't expect God to do that. Can anybody take it from a positive standpoint? Just simply say, God has blessed me with some things I didn't deserve. I didn't expect God to do it. God has come through in ways I didn't expect God to come through. I have anybody that can testify. You serve the kind of God that has plans for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And he's done some things I did not expect. At that first advent, Nobody expected God to show up the way he showed up, right? Nobody expected God to pick a teenage girl named Mary and then ultimately make her the vessel to produce the Savior of the world. No one expected that. No one expected that the King of kings and Lord of lords, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, would be born in a manger. Nobody expected these things. Now, here's the lesson I believe that we have to learn from the birth of Christ. God can sometimes show up, and God will sometimes show up, and he won't even look like God. Abraham, 99 years old, the Bible tells us, chilling outside his tent on a hot day, and three men show up and basically tell him, in a year from now, your wife, who's 90, is going to give you a son. This better be God. Hello. The Bible tells us that Sarah laughed. They weren't expecting God to show up the way God showed up. His grandson Jacob was running for his life in the book of Genesis. And then he has this dream that his descendants, look, he's running for his life, but then he's given this dream that his descendants will rule and own and possess the land that is now called Israel. That's his dream. Jacob becomes Israel, so he's dreaming about a land that his descendants are going to possess, even though yet he did not possess it, and he thought he was going to die. And he realized when he comes out of that dream, he says, surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't even know it, because God will show up and not even look like God. You got a man named Moses. He's just out tending the sheep one day, and then a bush catches fire, and he has no idea that that bush on fire was God. You got a man named Joshua. He's about to fight against the city of Jericho. And then he's confronted by a man holding a sword. And Joshua doesn't even know he's being confronted by God. Right? I, sometimes God will show up and he won't even look like God. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, what I'm trying to say is this is why you have to be careful how you describe the dilemmas that you are going through. Because God doesn't always show up looking like God. We say it's God when doors swing wide open. I came to tell you sometimes it's God when a door slams in your face. We, we say it's God when certain people enter into a life. I came to tell you it's also God when certain people finally get out of your life. God will show up and it doesn't always look like God. So my point is just simply this. Just because you don't see God in it initially doesn't mean you won't see God in it eventually. I thought Derek was going to tell me to say it again because I'm going to. Just because you didn't see God initially doesn't mean you won't see God eventually. Some of you, okay, let's just be honest. Some of you have been so mad at me all of 2023 because, Pastor, you said I was going to be my goat here. I feel like you're that white lady just pointing the finger at me screaming. I'm a little cat just looking back at you. 
Like, like that little meme, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe, I have no, maybe I'm really dating myself here, but, but that little cat, I feel like I'm just looking right back at you and just simply saying, was I really wrong though? Was I, was, I, was I really wrong? Because I agree with you. When you are in the middle of it, it can feel like the worst season of your life. But eventually, not initially, but eventually, God is going to show up and do something so miraculous that you will then be forced to go all the way back to that season and say, I mislabeled this season. I need to rename what I mislabeled because I call it the worst season of my life. But now that God's got me in a different season and I've seen God come through i look at that former season and i say had god not let me go through that i wouldn't be where i am now i declared it was your goat year for a reason i didn't say it was going to be a good year i said it was going to be the greatest year of your life because god is setting you up for something greater so if 2023 sucked good because greater is on its way. And when you look back at 23, you'll be like, ah, go year. Pastor was right. <laughs> and I don't know who this is for right now, but I believe that God is about to bless somebody so ridiculously. Yeah. You're going to have to go back and start renaming some things. I call that the worst. But now I see God was using that. For my best. Because somebody just throw up your hands right now. Just throw up your hands right now. God revealed to us those things we need to rename. Those seasons of life that we've mislabeled. God help us to look back over our shoulder now and say that, that might have felt like the worst season when I was in it. But now that God has worked in my life and worked in all things out for my good, now I look back and I'm going to rename that and say I had to go through that. That was the best thing that God ever allowed to happen to me. Because look at how I'm living now. Somebody give God a great praise in this place today. Rename it. Shake somebody and tell them, rename it. Rename it. You called it a breakdown, but eventually you're going to start to call it, it was my time of breakthrough. You, you called it a season of rejection, but eventually I'm going to say that was actually a season of direction because I needed to get away. You, you called it a season of failure, but here's what it really is going to be. It was a learning experience because I've grown from it. Let me move on. Third point I want to give you is this. So if we follow a God who acts unexpectedly, then we must become a people who respond with flexibility. If God will act unexpectedly, then I have to become flexible. Blessed are the flexible. Now, Pastor Bethel can do this because he's a runner. But I can't do this. I can't touch my toes, so I don't want to moon anybody. Okay. Listen to me. I'm, I was trying backstage. It, everything hurts right in here. I can't. T ah, come on, somebody. Hello, hello. Yeah. I cannot. I mean, I, I literally feel like I'm going to throw my back out just to be able to get all the way down there. You don't want to see that happen today. Can I get an amen? Thank you. I'll be awesome, Pastor. Hey. No, no, no. I, I realize that I can't. I'm not flexible enough to touch my toes. Now, that's my problem. And what if God said to me, I'm going to require of you to be flexible enough to bend over and touch your toes? Looks like I got some work to do. I'm so thankful that God, you're not required of me to bend over and touch my toes. 
But he's required of me to fulfill what he's called me to do. And in order for me to do what he's called me to do, I have learned that I have to be. Ooh, hallelujah. I've got to be flexible. And this ain't easy. Come on, somebody. Because there's nothing comfortable about being flexible. Okay, this takes work. And I, and I realize that what God has for your life as well, it's going to take you being willing to be flexible. Let me say it like this, because I'm talking about greatness. I believe that the greatest people are also the most flexible people. I was going to say this for the end, but I might as well do it right now. Jesus said the greatest among you will be the, the least. He said you'll be the servant. He said you will humble yourself. There's something about being flexible enough to get low. That God will then use to make you great. When you come to church every Sunday and you still want it to be all about you. And what song are they going to sing? Are they going to sing my song or not? Because if they won't, I'm not going to participate. Is the pastor going to preach me happy or not? Because if he does it, I'm just going to sit here with my arms folded looking angry the entire time. What? And you make it all about you and I'm just simply trying to tell you there's no greatness on your life when you're sitting there stiff and rigid and expecting what you want and making it all about you. It's when you choose to be flexible, okay? There's more at stake than just what I want. I've got to become flexible. What if God required me to touch my toes? Oh God. What if God required you to be flexible in order to become great? The reason some of us will never become great is because we refuse to become flexible. Because you're so focused on your own plans and your own goals and your own dreams and your own relationships and your own money. Should I just keep going? And, and, and your own agenda and your own ideology that you never create any kind of space for divine interruptions. When you read the Christmas story, it is nothing but divine interruption. A teenage girl minding her own business, divine interruption. Joseph, who's just like, you know what? I found out she's pregnant, and I know it ain't mine. I'm just going to put her away privately, quietly, because I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to shame her, because they could kill her for this. Divine interruption. Time and time again. Divine interruption. The sheep just trying to, the sheep out there in the field, their shepherds just taking care of the shepherds, just doing what they're supposed to do. I'm just caring for the sheep. And then the heavens burst open. Divine interruption. Stop taking care of your sheep and go see the lamb that was born. Divine interruption. I guess my point is just simply this. I believe that God is more than just a deliverer. I believe that God is a disruptor. If you have ever uh, been familiar with Woody Allen, he had made this quote years ago. He said this. He said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Because God will disrupt your plans. Oh, he, he's not just a deliverer. He's a disruptor. Moses was minding his own business, Pastor Beth, though. When the bush caught fire, God was disrupting Moses' plans. Gideon was just hiding out, threshing wheat in the wine press. 
And God shows up and disrupts his plans. Peter, he's just doing his job, fishing on a boat, just minding his own business. And Jesus shows up and simply says, you're done doing that. Come follow me because I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Divine interruption. God disrupts their plans. And I need to tell you today, God is looking for some men and women that are willing to say, Lord, make me flexible. Lord, make me versatile. Lord, make me adaptable. Lord, whatever your will is, whenever your will is, I'll move however you need me to move. I'll go where you need me to go. I'll say what you need me to say. And I know I won't feel comfortable, but I'm willing to be flexible. Ooh. Good Lord, I better wrap this up. Here's what our text does then. This text from Matthew 2 exposes us to this incredible example of the power and the importance of flexibility. Joseph, Jesus' stepdad, we're introduced to this man named Joseph, and he is given an assignment from God. And that assignment from God isn't even about him. Joseph's assignment is to protect someone else. Take Mary as your wife. Because what's within her is of God. What's that got to do with me? Absolutely nothing. You are there to protect what's inside of someone else. Oh, my God. I feel a parental anointing rising up in this house today. The reason God gave you those children is not so that they can be your buddy. Not, 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 so, that, not, not so that you can be angry and, and upset and pull your hair out. God gave you those children because there's a purpose on their life. And you are here to protect his divine purpose. I know they're acting stupid sometimes, and I know they're foolish, and I know they're selfish, and I know they try to get up in your face sometimes, but you are here to protect God's purpose on their life. Can I get an amen from somebody who's got a teenager? Amen, okay. Lord. When I look at Joseph, I see that Joseph, he's not the one who's carrying Jesus. Joseph is the one who's called to protect the one carrying Jesus. So Mary is here to produce. Joseph is just here to protect. That's all he's supposed to be doing. And what we see about Joseph, because we don't read really anything about him, Pastor Beto, after this story, we don't read anything about Joseph's life. We don't know anything about him. So what we see is his greatest contribution to the world is not who he was and what he did. It was who he helped raise, who he helped protect. Joseph, Joseph himself, was anointed and assigned by God to protect someone else's calling. If that isn't a purpose, if that isn't an anointing, if, if that isn't a calling, then honestly, I don't really know what is. Because most of you aren't anointed to do what Pastor Bethel and I are anointed to do, but you are anointed to protect what Pastor Bethel and I are anointed to do. Can I get an amen? Okay. So the first time that the angel speaks to Joseph, Joseph is being warned. He's being told, go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. The next time the angel speaks to him, he tells him, now you can go back to Israel. So go back to Israel. Now I'm sure Joseph is just like, yes, finally, I'm going back home. But then he gets another warning and another dream because Herod's son now is, is taken over for his father. And so now Joseph is afraid again and he gets another warning. So instead of going back to his home in Israel, he decides to go to a place called 
Galilee and settles in a little town called Nazareth. Now, I know when we talk about Joseph, right? We say, well, Joseph and Mary, they were from Nazareth. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible doesn't tell us he was from Nazareth. The Bible tells us he landed in Nazareth. That's not where he was from. So here's the order, right? In order to get to Nazareth, he has to go first to Bethlehem because of a census. Then from Bethlehem, he has to go to Egypt. Then from Egypt, he goes back to Israel. But then once he's in Israel, then he has to go to Galilee. And from Galilee, he goes to Nazareth. You see the order? Feeling a little flexible. There we go. I feel, a little, I feel a little flexible here. Joseph had to be flexible. I imagine that Joseph was thinking, God, you've got me all over the place. I was not expecting to be this flexible. So when Joseph said yes to the assignment from God, I, I, can, I almost can tell you today, he had no idea what he was saying yes to. When I told God yes at the age of 17, I will do what you have called me to do, I had no idea what I was saying yes to. Do I have any honest people in the room that could say, when God called me and God gave me a, a destiny and a purpose and I said yes, I had no idea what I was saying yes to. Because had I known what I was saying yes to, I might have said, heck no. Oh, no. I'm not going through all that. I'm not dealing with that. I, I, I refuse. If I knew what I was saying yes to, Lord, it's a big emphatic no. I want nothing to do with this. And I guess I just want to ask today, because all you really need to know is this. The life of Jesus was protected because a man named Joseph was willing to be flexible. Jesus was protected. Mary should have been stoned to death for getting impregnated outside of marriage. That was the law. Outside of, the, of her husband, she was impregnated not by a man. The Spirit of God, not, not sexually, but spiritually, impregnated her. She should have been killed, and Joseph protects the life of Jesus, our Savior, just because he was willing to put down his own agenda, his own plan, his own will, and just be flexible. And now I recognize this as I'm wrapping up here. Flexibility doesn't happen automatically. Can I get an amen? I don't just become, I can't just start touching my toes here in a second, Pastor. For those of you who can, don't go showing off after service. Hello, somebody. Jesus is good. I mean, okay, I don't, don't, I don't really need to know that. I'm working on it. But if flexibility does not happen automatically, and because it doesn't, Pastor Bethel, here's what I also recognize. Part of the reason that many of us struggle with being flexible is because we still want to have control. Ooh, I won't even ask for the control freaks to raise your hand in the house. Don't even do it. Just go ahead and just turn and look at them. Just look at them until they know. I know, you, I, I know you're controlling. I, I know it. You're the control freak in the family. Oh, God, Lord, help us when there's more than just one. Come on. We have a tendency to be controlling. And so what Joseph is going to give I'm going to give you three things I'm done. He gives us three reasons to release control and to become flexible. Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, flexibility protects us from the dangers that are present in places where we are supposed to actually be avoiding. Right? Come on. Herod was a dangerous man. He killed every male under the age of two. So flexibility basically lets me know I don't need to go back where Herod is. 
I need to stay away from those dangerous people, those dangerous situations, those dangerous relationships, those dangerous mindsets. I need to stay away from those. those I'm not assigned to those places because those places are trying to assassinate my character and assassinate my anointing. So I need to stay away. So when I'm flexible, then I can hear the voice of God saying, I'm just trying to protect you from the thing that's going to harm you if you go back to that relationship, if you go back to that situation. God is trying to protect you. So flexibility says, okay, I guess I can't go back. God wants me to avoid certain things. So I learned from Joseph, I can't be a control freak if I want to avoid danger. I have to become flexible. Second thing I learned is this. Flexibility will give me a prophetic positioning for some unique opportunities. What do I, what do I mean by that? With a quick show of hands, I'll let you do this right now. Has anyone ever made a bad decision? No, I've got a couple perfect people in the room. Okay, I see you. I'm not putting my hand up because every decision I make is perfect. I'm right every single time. You keep telling yourself that because your wife doesn't believe that. We've all made bad decisions. And have you ever made a bad decision based on bad information? Ooh, have you ever misjudged somebody because you heard something about them, but you never fact-checked to find out whether it was true? Oh, my God. I just got to say this real quick. I, because my, my kids are in middle school, my God, my God. Teen, I forgot how crazy teenagers' emotions are. I forgot it's like, woohoo, woohoo. I, I, I forgot about the roller coaster of emotion. We're buddies, we're friends. I can't stand her, I hate her. We're, we're so close and so tight. We're, 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 just, we're, we're, we're connected. I, wanna, I just want to slap her in the face. I can't, what in the world just happened? I feel, like, I feel like this sometimes after conversations with, with my middle schoolers. Talk about being flexible. Deal with a teenager. And my point is just simply this. I can make judgments on people I don't even know based on bad information. I can make bad business decisions based on misinformation. And we all have done that. But flexibility puts me in a prophetic position. Think about it like this. When the Bible says everywhere that Joseph went, everywhere he went, first to Bethlehem, and then to Egypt, and then back to Israel, and finally to Nazareth, everywhere that Joseph went, here's what the Bible actually says. He went there so that the prophecy would be fulfilled. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled. The me, what I'm trying to tell you is the reason he was flexible was so that he could put himself in a prophetic positioning to receive everything that God had already predestined for his life. Oh my Lord, when you become flexible, what you are doing is you are putting yourself in a position for God to bless you with what he's already predetermined for you. But I've got to be flexible because if I remain rigid and it's got to be my way, I'm going to miss out on God's better way. I'm going to miss out on his best. The reason, let me just say, the reason some of you don't tithe is not because it isn't in scripture. It's because you put yourself in a position to say, I'm going to do it my way. And God is just simply trying to say, if you'll come over here and do it my way, I can open up the windows of heaven and pull you you out of blessing so it's you don't have room to contain. Do you want to be just blessed with what you can do? Or you do, do you want the windows of heaven open up over your life? I expect tithers to clap. Amen. There we go. Okay. 
Amen. Because everything about my life simply says, I want it my way. And there is a way that seems right unto man, and in the end it leads to death. But when I become flexible, let me do it your way, Lord. It ain't comfortable, but I'm being flexible. I now put myself in a prophetic position to receive everything God has already predetermined, predestined for my life. Who believes that God already has good plans for your future? He's already predestined these things for you. So my flexibility will determine whether or not I can experience everything that God has predestined for my life. Let me give you, before I give you this third point, I just got to say this. And I, I actually draw this, this understanding from Scripture, Pastor Bethel. Not just that Joseph had to put himself in a prophetic position, because he had to, so that the Scriptures could be fulfilled. Because Jesus had to be called out of Egypt, and Jesus had to be called the Nazarene. Prophetic positioning, because he was flexible. But I remember Paul saying this one time. He said this one time in Philippians chapter 3, and it's not on the screen. But here's what he said. He said, here's this one thing I do. I forget what's behind me. And I become flexible, and I reach for what's ahead. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. When you are willing to stop being so rigid and make it all about you, become flexible. Put yourself in a prophetic position to forget the pain of the past and reach for the greater prize that's ahead. Amen. Last thing and I'm done. Flexibility will give us the perseverance to endure when God's timetable <laughs> doesn't match our timeline. Ooh, it's 11.58. Your timeline says, Pastor, better be done in two minutes. But God's timetable requires us to be a little more flexible. I mean, Joseph had to be thinking, God, look, I've got this young family here. I've got a teenage wife and, and, and an infant son, and you've got me going in circles. Can anyone else testify? Sometimes I feel like God just got me going in circles. When I came to tell you, he breaks every cycle in our life. And here he is, he's going from Bethlehem to to Egypt, to Israel, to, to Galilee, and finally to Nazareth. And God's like, look, I need you to be flexible. And the reason I, God wants us to be flexible is because he will not do anything according to your will and your timeline. God will do everything according to his will and his time frame. How do I know that? Galatians 4. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to give it to you. Galatians 4, 4. But when the right time had come, the fullness of time had come, what did God do? God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption of sonship, that we might be called children of God. God does everything on time, the right time, every time. And you have to become flexible with your timeline and just simply say, I guess it's not going to happen in my time, but I know God will do it on time, every time. So I'm just going to be flexible enough to trust that his timing is always right. His timing is always perfect. And I've got to be flexible so that I can see God do the impossible in my life. Will you stand your feet right now as I close the service?
And it's 11.59. Hello, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I want to speak to my control freaks for a moment. What I'm getting ready to say next is not about repentance. We repented earlier. What I'm getting ready to say right now is about release. Thank you. This is about release. Because God wants to give you something greater, but you're still holding on to regular. You're still holding on to nominal and ordinary. And God says, I've got greater for your life. And that greater will require us to be flexible. And part of being flexible with God is just releasing control. I'm just going to release all control. If you don't think this is biblical, let me, let me tell you what the, what, what the wisest man who ever lived said. Proverbs 19 verse 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart. Right? Many. Many. We've all got plans. We've all got goals. We've all got dreams. We've all got aspirations. And maybe they're not for us. Maybe we've got goals and dreams for our kids, even though they're in their 30s. And, and we've got goals and, and dreams and aspirations. And, we, and we, we, we got desires. And we all have plans in our hearts. But it is the Lord's purpose. And you want this. It is the Lord. I said you want this. You want God's greater purpose to prevail in your life. Can I hear from the men and women who say, God, I, I'm tired of having it my way. I need it to be your way. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. Not my will, but your will be done. Can I find somebody to throw up your hands and say, Lord, I'm willing to be flexible. God, if you've got to move me from Bethlehem to Egypt, from Egypt to Israel, from Israel finally to Nazareth, because everybody has a destination everybody has a place you're supposed to show up everybody has a Nazareth and God is the only one who knows how to get you there and even if you've got a zigzag and feel bent over and twisted and out of shape as long as you remain humble before God God will exalt you in due time and get you to the Nazareth he destined for your life but only God can do that so let's throw up our hands right now Lord we ask now humbly every one of us, that you would begin to give us the spiritual flexibility we need in these last days. Oh my God, help me to see, Lord, that my stiffness, my, my rigidness, my stubbornness, my, my, my will to only have it my way, God, I'm missing out on greater. Because I'm settling for what only I can do and what I can accomplish and what I can have. But God, you've got something greater for my life. So Lord, help us today to be spiritually flexible. Even if I can never physically touch my toes, God, help me to be flexible enough to do your will. God, help me to be surrendered enough to go wherever you want me to go and say whatever you want me to say. To pray for whoever you, whoever you want me to pray for. To love whoever you want me to love. To forgive whomever you want me to forgive be there for whoever you want me to be to protect someone else's anointing and calling if that's your will help me God to be flexible enough to do this help me God help me God every one of us battle with this thing called control we do every one of us part of the reason that some of our marriages suck is because we're always battling for control Part of the reason those of us are still alone is because we're always battling for control. 
part of the reason why we don't have all the blessings and the promises that God has wanting to give us is because we're fighting with God for control. You're like Jacob. You're wrestling with God all night over control. But I believe in this place today it's not just an appreciation for the Advent, but an education from the Advent that says, Jesus, you came to do what I couldn't do. You gave up control. He gave up control so that God could give him all authority and all control. That means there's nothing outside of his control. And I want to pray for my control freaks in the house today. And just remind you, control is an illusion because even when you think you have it, you really don't because you're not in control. When I drive my car, Michael, I want to be the one driving. Pastor Olga will tell you. Anytime she's behind the wheel, I'm like, can you move over? Pull over, let me drive. Because I want to be in control, but I recognize even though I'm in control of my vehicle, I'm not in control of anyone else's. And at any point in time, something else could happen. I know because just the other day, literally just Friday, when we came to school, we just missed a five-car accident. It was literally right behind me. Five-car accident. Crazy. I'm not in control. I have control over my own desire to surrender control. But there's a reason why we call God sovereign. Because there's nothing outside of His power to control. And what I'm simply trying to tell you is the only control that God doesn't have is you controlling your will to stay in control instead of surrendering your will and let God, the sovereign one, the holy one, the provider, the lover of your soul, your redeemer, your forgiver, your present help, the one who's always for you, who will never leave you nor forsake you. When you finally decide, I can no longer remain in control, I'm going to be flexible and surrender control. Now, you're in position for what God already has for your life. Can we, can we just say to God today as we close this service, I surrender all. I give it all to you. I surrender my need to control because it makes me feel safe when I believe I'm in control. But you're not really safe outside of God's hand. You're not really blessed outside of God's provision. Yes, you have things, and, 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 and I'm, I'm not saying that you can't obtain and achieve on your own. I'm saying you're obtaining and achieving just enough. You're regular. But when you surrender control, thank you, Father, because I sense it in this room. There are some hearts that are finally getting that right now. Lord, I need to surrender control. Amen.